Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. So uh, over the past year, you've probably felt if you've got kids, like it's just a never-ending cycle of your kids trashing your home and you cleaning it up over and over and over again. You're not the only one. Parents have spent 59 total hours just cleaning up the messes their kids have made during the pandemic. That's almost two and a half entire days Wow! of cleaning up after those little brats. You know, it makes me ask the question, as I always do when it comes to children, why are we having them? Like, what, what do we actually get out of this? When you think about it, right. you make them, they drive you insane for most of their life. I mean, they do get to a part where they're an adult and, and you know, for the most part, it, it kind of works out. But what, what do we, what do we, all the money spent, all the aggravation, for what? Just to continue your name Ugh, in the, the future. Ven's not worth it. <laughs> What's the point? All too much. You get one go around on this planet. Uh-huh. And you decide, we all decide, many of us decide. For about 25 years or so, we are just going to flush our own existence for somebody else. It's ridiculous. Well, you know, listen, you, you have one or two. I don't understand the Baldwin scenario in all of this all as right. well, right? Yeah, those two. When they just have seven? Yeah. Yeah, she's like a rabbit. She's a half rabbit. <laughs> she's popping these babies out every six weeks. And I, 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 I fail to be able to do the math on, on how they've got it done, too, yeah. because she was only like seven months after she had the last yeah. baby. Yeah. I don't which, know much about birthing babies, but no. I... She must have gotten pregnant in the cab on the way back from the hospital after the last baby. Like, Alec just can't stop himself. Gets a couple of Viagra in his gullet, and he's going to town. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. So uh, Spend a lifetime cleaning yeah, up after. We, yeah, we, uh, these numbers are based on the average kid making six messes per week, with each one taking their parents around 16 minutes to clean it up. Most common messes involve food, toys, and clothes. Six messes a week? Yeah. More like a day. I, I'll tell you, it's the messes like the spilt drinks that used to just drive me insane. Like, I would get so mad I'd have to walk away, especially as they were getting a little older that they should know. Right. Like, the, the, the problem with so many kids, and mine were guilty of this, many are, they're, when they're of a certain age, they're so self-absorbed. Like they, they, they walk into a room and they don't see anything. They can't read a room. They don't know what. It's just about me now, I need, wants now, now. Right. And so... Like how many times we would be hosting something, be it a Christmas or Thanksgiving, got the table all set, the best stuff is out, people are, we've been cooking all day, everybody gets called to the table, these two come down with their arms flinging all over like those blow-up dummies at a car dealership, (laughs) they sit out and they just start, everything goes everywhere, and you're like... Chaos. you You don't have any appreciation for what has been done for you here, and then they just go, oh, sorry, and they pick their nose and walk away. And that's your kid and my kid, too. You know it to be true. The funny thing is, you're right, and they can't read the room. Part of the problem is they're not even in the room. Mm. You know, my kids scream from whatever area of the house they're in yeah. when they want something. I just won't answer. Right. Scream your foul like, head off. Yeah. More of the meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, they're going to be like uh, Will Ferrell living yeah, in the basement. Vaughn, yeah, and because you're like... What the hell happened here? Like, yeah. what, you you you're not even in the room. You don't know if someone's available. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny because, you know, when we were growing up, we knew when our parents were on the phone. Right, right. There was only one phone in the house. Mm-hmm. They were on it 
and they were attached to it by a mm-hmm. cord. You know, so if they were in that room standing next to that wall, they were on the phone. Now, they, kids don't even recognize that phones exist for, for calling, right? Yeah. They walk in. If you're on a phone, a kid will walk right in and talk to you oh, in a full-blown conversation. You're right. I remember a few times I'm going to say to my boys, I've got a very important phone call. I need five minutes. Right, yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I think, too, like when I look back, I don't, you know, it's not about I was any better than, you know, I was probably just as much of a brat and a pain in the arse. The thing was, we, and this is just my family, we never really hosted. We didn't have a big family. So we never really hosted big events. Mm. Since marrying in to the Italians and all of the children and all of the people that are around, you know, every Christmas, every event is like there's, you know, eight, nine kids. <laughs> and they're all flailing around like that balloon at the car dealership. And I get it. They're all wound up. They're fun. It's, you know, it's fun time, right? I just sit there and I shake my head. I go, I can't believe you come in, you sit down. And it would be like me coming in, sitting down and just clearing the table with my arms, throwing everything on the floor. Have you ever seen, uh, there's, I think it's a YouTube or a TikTok that's going right now of, uh, of parents saying, this is, you know, I'm going to act like my 12 year old walking into a room. That'd be great. Right. And this is how I'm going to act when my kids are older. Yeah. And when I come over and it describes everything you're talking about. Perfect. It's spilling things on the floor, just walking by it, peeing all over the toilet. I guarantee you this. (laughs) And just leave it. When my oldest or youngest buy their first home and they invite me and Maria over for dinner, (laughs) I'm going to go over, throw the wine on the floor, poop in the kitchen, (laughs) draw on the walls. And leave. (laughs) This broke yesterday, and a lot of people are freaking out, as we do, whenever anything happens um, that we don't agree with. or And and a lot of times we we freak out about things that really, in the grand scheme of things, aren't going to affect your life at all. But we we can rant and rave on social media, so that's what we do. Uh, The publishers of Dr. Seuss have decided that they're going to pull six of his books because they contain images of Asians and Africans that say they say portrays people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Yeah. Right. These books are old. You're talking about books from 1937, 1947, the 50s, uh, 1950-53, and 1955-1976. Uh, the books that are being yanked, and I guess you can look through your collection, maybe you've got them and they're worth something now. And to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, which is probably the most popular one of the six that are being yanked. Mm-hmm. McElgott's Pool, If I Ran the Zoo, Scrambled Eggs Super, On Beyond Zebra, and The Cat's Quizzer are the books that are gone. And uh, and I would suggest if you're upset about these books being yanked, maybe you should update your children's reading material. <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny in that people like, say, like yourself with young children, who might possibly still be reading Dr. Seuss, aren't necessarily the people probably getting upset. It's the older generation who don't have any kids to read to anymore. Yeah, uh, and it's the cancel culture or the fear of it. Yeah. Um, When you look at these books, there's a couple of things. One, it's not green eggs and ham. It's not like, you know, we were offended by, you know, the green people were offended by eggs being green. Right. Um, You know, there there are some lines. If I ran the zoo, uh, talks uh, about a street parade, uh, where, you know, uh, people are you know, wearing their eyes at a slant. Mm. Uh, or sorry, the, the uh, Mulberry Street was a street parade, and that talent talks about a Chinaman who eats with sticks. Right. right. And so that line is the one that's probably the one they're concerned about. Uh, if I Ran the Zoo is more about Africans and, and uh, features some squat African tribesmen. Mm. Um, and so, 
you know, the other thing to the thing to point out is that it's not people canceling these books necessarily. This is the group that protects the name of Dr. Seuss who mm-hmm. decided that they want to pull them. So they're not burning all the books that they had. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to produce these books anymore. You know, um, w- w- when you share that about the, uh, the Asian man and using the sticks to eat, these are the stories, too, that I think can be explained to children. Right. You know, uh, and, 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 I, and I think these can all be learning curves. And it's interesting that uh, Dr. Seuss's uh, stepdaughter, she wishes they had just added a disclaimer to the six books and kept them in publication. You know, she goes on to say that my stepdad was a good man. He uh, regretted some of his earlier work, but he was a good guy and he never had a hateful heart or acted in a bigoted manner. And I'm sure when he wrote of the Asian with the sticks, right. he wasn't thinking of it well, as a slight. But there's the difference. He didn't say the Asian with the sticks. It was the Chinaman. So oh, the, disclaimer, a Chinaman? the okay. disclaimer would have been, hey, in 1937. Right. This is how it right. was referred as, right. right? We now know differently yeah. uh, and, and know better. Um, and, you know, but I think part of the cancel culture and, and what the cry out with this is, you know, is that people are worried, of, okay, okay, where does the canceling stop, mm-hmm. right? And and part of that, I think, is you know, there's the world is not run by perfect people. And we're, if, if we only had perfect people here, there'd be a lot of empty space around. And so I think a lot of people who are worried about cancel culture are worried, but, okay, what have I done that's going to get me canceled in the future? Oh, sure. Look, <laughs> you can think back to your life when we weren't so woke. Right. And the things you said or I said. Hell, right. some of the things we say off the air. <laughs> if every if every post, if every tweet, mm-hmm. if every picture that or meme that you've liked mm-hmm. in the past could somehow come back to prevent you from doing something in the future, uh, it'd be a very scary place. You want to remove some books from the shelves? I would suggest the Fifty Shades books. <laughs> they're they're horrible. <laughs> when was the last time, Lucky, you think you had a hickey? Oh, or gave a hickey? <laughs> wow. Would have been on a school bus. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I can remember. I got one like when I was in like grade seven. Okay. Eight, yeah, middle school anyhow. And I do remember being so embarrassed by it. Yeah, to when, hide it? Oh, I, like I put a Band-Aid over it or something <laughs> stupid like that. And my mom's like, what the hell? Why do you have a Band-Aid on your neck? And I think I just, I was just embarrassed. One that my parents would know I had been, you know, fooling around with a girl. Right. And, of course, your buddies all razz you for it. And anyhow, if you're still, for some reason, stuck in, like, 1981, (laughs) uh, there is a woman who has gone viral with her hickey removal technique. Okay. You take a metal whisk and you twist it on the spot for five minutes. A hickey is a bruise, so you end up spreading the blood around. Okay. So your whole neck... Goes red. <laughs> Fantastic. That yeah. won't look awkward. No, I'd be more concerned if my kids said they were taking a metal whisk and ramming it into their neck. I'd applaud them if they had a hickey. Right. But it is when it is funny because I do remember now as we talk about it, seeing one or two on either Daniel or David's neck at some point. Oh. But not saying anything. I think I might have said, "You want to cover that up when you're around your mom." <laughs> Like, high five me, bro. But you you want to make sure you're into turtlenecks for a couple of weeks. The shortest street in the world is Ebenezer Place in Scotland. The street is six feet, nine inches long and has one address. <laughs> <laughs>
pizza delivery dude still can't find it. <laughs> I wonder how often that sign gets stolen <laughs> or Ebenezer Place. Yeah. The sign, that's a long sign, too. It's longer it's than the street. As long as the street. Um, this is interesting. You always like finding these things out about who might have starred in a film. So in the movie Speed, remember, of course, it was uh, Sandra Bullock and uh, Keanu Reeves. Right. But just watched it before them first time or a hundredth time. <laughs> uh, but before that, just before that, actually, Stephen Baldwin and Ellen DeGeneres were going to star in that movie. Really? Together. Yeah, I don't know why it fell apart or what happened, but shortly thereafter, it went to a Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. And that was the launch of, of Sandra Bullock's career, I wasn't it? I think so. I think so, yeah. Waffle House owns its own record label called Waffle Records. Okay. And its songs are mostly played in their restaurants. It's all about syrup and stuff. <laughs> Eat your syrup every day. Have a pancake hour away. Oh, like, I just did at, that. Look at you. I just did Could that. Could get signed to Waffle I Records. <laughs> you yeah, put that in for a deal. It's like my career, waffling. Almost all of the uh, American flags at Disney World have the wrong number of stars. That Why way, would that be? Well, because then Disney doesn't need to perform proper flag protocols and lower all of them every night. Oh. Yeah, I guess I guess you're supposed to lower your flag in America every evening. Although I never, like I've been, I had a buddy that lived in Cleveland, and I remember his parents had a big American flag out front. Right. I, maybe it's not a thing, a residential flag, maybe you don't have to. Maybe a business that has to flag has to. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you see a lot more flags. Well, you see flags, the Canadian flags you see in cottage country. Do you? Uh, more often on the lakes, people have a, a right. you know a more likely to have a flagpole and a flag flying. About seventy five percent of tornadoes in the world happen in the U S. and always in a double wide trailer park. <laughs> right, right. The magic eight ball failed when it first came out in the nineteen forties because it wasn't an eight ball; it was just a regular ball called a psycho seer. But a billboard or a billiards company in Cincinnati commissioned a line of them that looked like eight balls, and that's when they took off. <laughs> the regular one couldn't be trusted. No. But what does it look like an eight ball? Like a big, big career and personal decision. <laughs> Shake this thing. When you get a kidney transplant, the doctors usually don't remove your failing kidney. They just leave it there and put the new kidney in your pelvis. You got spare parts. I guess so, yeah. Really? I guess it's too much effort to take it out. And once I guess they've cut that one off and the new one's up and running, it's the other one. But the other one probably just d dies off, to disintegrates, you'd think, over time. I don't know. I have to ask your dad. <laughs> and give him a call. Get him on the phone. <laughs> Speaking of your dad, I know that you've said in the past he liked to uh, collect stamps. Yes. And the most valuable stamp in the world is a one-cent 1856 British Guyana dad. stamp. That's, that's right. That's his home turf, right? That's it. it yeah, I've heard about this. It's got a name, and he's going to kill me for not remembering it because I'm sure he's driven it into me for years. <laughs> not Lucky Stamp yeah. is the name. No, no, yeah, it's not in his collection. Well, it sold at auction a few years ago for $9.5 million. Really? Yeah. That would be a good one to have. Does he have an Elvis stamp? <laughs> I'm looking for... <laughs> Probably. I'm looking for the fat Elvis stamp. <laughs> I got, got all the skinny ones. Yeah. He, uh, he's been a long-time stamp collector. Really, and, eh? And, and part of it, I guess, you know, in British Guyana, you had you had British stamps and American stamps and mm. Dutch stamps and all stamps from all over the world. That's right. how he got into it as a huh. kid. Now, I wasn't going to bother with this because, you know, with me and pronouncing things, but I thought, oh, well, we'll give it a shot because it's just such a crazy long name. Hawaii's state fish is the 
Who moo, who moo. Pardon me? Who, no, close, but no. I said who. Careful. I said who. Be careful. Who moo, who moo, nuku, nuku, apu, ah, ah. That's not bad. The who moo, who moo, the who moo, who moo, who moo, nuku, 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 pak. Yeah, whatever. Anyhow, that's the state fish. Uh, tastes like tuna. <laughs> <laughs> tastes like chicken. <laughs> I was watching this documentary yesterday. I've been really watching a lot of documentaries. Yeah. I was watching this one on, uh, on Becoming Warren Buffett. I didn't realize his entire story. It was very, very interesting. I know all the stuff about giving away all his money to charity. and A very sad situation with his wife. Uh, she, I didn't realize this, uh, he, he was very focused on making money and not much else. And so at some point in their marriage, and they were together a very long time. They had three kids. But at some point, she just said, I need more than this, uh, than just babysitting you in the middle of Nebraska. So she took off and left them. They never divorced. Um, and she went and lived in San Francisco, where she took on all sorts of charity work. She really wanted to, to help. She had said at one point, you know, she always thought she'd either marry a doctor or a, or a minister or somebody within who was servicing others, you know, right. helping. She goes, I, I never thought I'd marry a man ever who was just making money. Um, <laughs> And he was very focused on that for a long time. So she laughed him. Anyhow, uh, in the meantime, she realized that he really can't take care of himself. Like, they had no ability to, like, make himself a sandwich. Like, all normal day-to-day stuff, useless at. He's just like Rain Man, just focused on on money, you know? Right. Anyhow, so she had a neighbor, a friend of hers, uh, who uh, she called, basically, and she said, look, you know, Warren is just, he's a mess. He can't dress himself. Can you... While I'm just figuring my life out, can you keep an eye on him? And basically, these two women, between uh, the neighbor and his wife, Susan, you know, basically took care of him. Like, they never divorced. They stayed together. They had these children. Uh, she was living her life, but then this woman uh, steps in and, uh, and helps out as well. And they all were very close. Everything was, was copacetic. I don't know if anything was going on between Warren and the other woman at that point. But then fast forward to uh, Warren's wife passing away. She got uh, lung cancer, I believe, or throat, uh, some, some cancer. Anyhow, she, she died. And doesn't this neighbor end up three or four years after she dies uh, marrying uh, Warren? They're together huh. now. Um, but because of what his wife Susan had done with all the charity work, uh, he believed that had he died, and he always thought he was going to die before her, uh, that she would have taken all that money and donated it to charity. That right. she, you know, so he said, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing. I'm going to do what Susan would have Continue wanted. on her legacy. Yeah, so very nice. And then at the end, they had a recording over the credits of him singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Just himself, acoustically. You know, he can't sing, but that wasn't the point. He was just doing it for whatever reason. And then at the end, he says, good night, Susan. I almost... Blew a, ba- a gasket. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I can cry right now thinking about it. Oh, I thought, who would have known a, a documentary on Warren, Warren Buffett, Buffett would have turned me into a puddle? <laughs> Anyhow, it's very good. I just love documentary. I just love people's uh, lives and the stories of their lives and people who have been successful in, in whatever field. Uh, people were asked uh, what noises they have missed during this pandemic. And by far, live music hmm. is the number one. And, and for sure, I mean, they'd love to get back to seeing shows. Surround sound at movie theaters. Okay. Hearing a huge crowd cheering in person, probably like a sporting event or yep. something like that. 
and the sound of kids or grandkids playing nearby. Isn't that a sound most parents would like to stop <laughs> hearing right about now? Uh, the grandkids one, I understand. That one's probably highly missed by grandparents. The, the kids one, yeah. Uh, we've had enough of that. Uh, sermons in church and slot machines. I bet you I bet you there's people in your family who miss that sound. <laughs> I, I, got, I got chills just thinking about it. Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.